More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Third hour of Clay and Buck begins, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. Um, we wanted to tell you some exciting news before we dive into our next topic, which will be a, a little bit of a commentary from The View we want to get into um, coming up here. And also, RFK Jr. and I agree on something else. Very happy to hear him say it. And that's coming up in a moment. First up, though, starting Monday, the 10th of July... We are going to be, Clay and Buck, this show, we're going to be on the airwaves in our nation's capital. That's right. We're going to be carried in D.C. on Freedom 104.7. We are so excited to expand our radio affiliate family to Freedom 104.7 in Washington, D.C. But for anybody who's you know works on Capitol Hill or the federal government, commutes in and out of D.C. proper, uh, we're going to be able to keep you, well, certainly company during your lunchtime. And uh, and thereafter every day, so definitely tune in and and check us out there. Uh, we're really excited about that. So Clay yeah, and I have both big, lived in. We've big, both been DC residents. Yeah, it's a big market, big addition. So if you are in Northern Virginia, if you are in uh, Southern Maryland, Buck, you know because you live there. One of the worst traffic cities in America. Uh, and for anybody who has to commute, I know you probably, if you're in the D.C. area, have been listening to us. Uh, if you're listening to us now, you've been on the iHeartRadio app, which we love, or you've been downloading the podcast. But it is a big deal to be on in D.C. market from 12 to 3 FM 104.7 uh, Freedom Radio there. It's going to be awesome. So uh, go ahead and add us to the dials if you are in that marketplace and we got a lot of new market additions that we're going to be rolling out in the days and weeks and months ahead. Uh, we talked about, I think, that Monday of this week, Green Bay, Wisconsin, and uh, and South Dakota. Was it Pierre, South Dakota? I think it was uh, that we had added, and uh, and certainly a bunch more coming. That's a credit to you guys, the growth of the show. Uh, as we now embark on we just the third year, added of the Sioux program. Falls. Is that what you're talking about? Sioux Falls. My bad. I hope we're on in Pierre, South Dakota, or uh, it's where Pier, my grandfather North... was allegedly born. I've never. This is like family lore, you know. It's tough to sometimes track this stuff down for sure, but 
we believe he was born in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So I got to be careful here because this is where I always I've I've had a ongoing uh, uh, inability to distinguish um, between North and South Dakota, and I know right now in the Dakotas people are losing their minds. Uh, but yes, Pierre, South Dakota. You know, I always had pronounced it Pierre. Did you know that Buck? It's pronounced Pierre. Well, why not just say yes? Because you know I'm on the spot here. <laughs> I but no, I did not I didn't know, know that. I had I had South Dakota furious because I was like when I was doing sports talk radio, we added an affiliate, and what I thought was Pierre, South Dakota. I was talking about how excited I was to add it. And I, they, the, the good people right. of Pierre, South Dakota, let me know. I, I had no idea. I memorized state capitals back in the day. I've been saying it wrong for 30 even years. regionally. You know, for out in Long Island, there are some stops on the uh, LIRR, some towns that I've spent time in in the past. And you know, you can read it, and you'll say, "Oh, Ronkonkoma," but actually, it's Ronkonkoma. That's how you got to say it, or Patchog. You know, so it's it's a local. There's local flavor to some of these things. One that I know is absolutely the case. The variations, and we're we're number one in this city, so I should make sure that I, I get it as right as I can. The variations on the town that I grew up in New York hearing of as Louisville, yes, is fascinating. There's a lot of a lot of different ways. There's you know Louisville and you know I can't even do them all. There's a lot of different I, stuff. I'm a yeah, I'm a Louisville person. Um is the way that I always pronounce it. Obviously southern accents factor in. You're talking about the great state of Kentucky right now. One of my favorites is when it's a city that is named after a a city. So there is outside of Lexington, Kentucky where we're also on a great town called Versailles, Kentucky. Yes. If you're sitting out there and you're like, "Oh, I wonder how that's spelled." It's named after the French palace Versailles. But if you pronounce Versailles, Kentucky, you will be absolutely ridiculed to the height of, and they'll have no idea what you're talking about. It's Versailles, Kentucky. Versailles is the palace, even though it was named yeah. after the palace Versailles. Yeah. Notre Dame is the cathedral. Notre Dame is That's the, right. That's a good is one. Big Ten, is that right? Big no. Ten, right? No. No. Damn it. I actually no. thought I had that one. That's a t- that, to be fair to you, that's a tough one on sports because Notre Dame should be in the Big Ten. They're independent. They're not a member of any conference. Oh, that's a trick. Uh, that's a. That that's, I agree. That's what I'm saying. It's a, It's kind of like I'm a, going out to South Bend this fall, so I'm putting in my South Bend time. It's, it's a little bit buck like there. what I always thought was really unfair when you took a test back in the day, and one of the answer choices was none of the above. You're like. And you know how much confidence you have to be to have in the answer to go none of the above? I always felt like that was an unfair teaching move to really kind of taunt you to go with the none of the above as the multiple choice answer question. Absolutely. Oh, I mentioned the view, and and we were talking with Heather McDonald a few moments ago in the last hour about uh, affirmative action and where it stands now. And I thought this was very uh, illuminating soundbite from the view where they do very astute constitutional and legal analysis on a daily basis i mean joy behar could practically sit on the supreme court herself um but here we go here is the sense you get from sunny hostin of the view about affirmative action play it the lived experience of uh, a white 
kid in Appalachia or perhaps on a potato farm in uh, Idaho or, in is, Brooklyn. or Brooklyn, Brooklyn is different in this country for a black student, yeah. whether that yes, black student be wealthy or not, because this yeah. country was founded on slavery. Ah, now this is very interesting because you've been hearing this adversity scores. Let's talk about adversity scores. Once you start to dig into the real numbers and look at what's really going on, what you find is that a lot of these schools, you, you know, there's been all this talk about legacies. There have been multiple generations now of affirmative action school attendees at the most elite schools. Their children get legacy too, obviously, right? And the benefit of affirmative action on top of legacy admissions. So if you attack legacy admissions, it's not as clear as some people want to think it is that it's just going to go after like the up, you know, uh, upper class or upper middle class, um, white and Asian students. But even beyond that, so we are to believe that to be wealthy and black in America is still a, this is what she is saying. She's arguing that that is still such a disadvantage so that a wealthy black student applicant to Harvard should get to go, you know, say if, uh, the, you know, father or mother works in uh, media or makes millions and millions of dollars, should get to go to Harvard over a kid who, you know, grew up in a single-parent household who has been trying to help raise his three or four siblings who is white from a low-income household. That That is the belief of the elites as you just heard from Sonny Hostin. Yeah, and this is where I think all of you out there would agree if i gave you an option okay there's a, a binary choice you can either be the son or daughter of a white family growing up in appalachia right kentucky uh west virginia tennessee an area where there is not a lot of opportunity and your parents make a combined income of $30,000 a year, okay? You have that option, but you can be white. Or you can be the son or daughter of multi-millionaire black parents. Is there anyone who's saying, from a pure advantage perspective, being a white poor kid cancels out being a black rich kid? I don't think there's anybody out there in America who is being honest, Buck, that would say, yes, being white is worth me being not a multimillionaire. That's the test, right? That's what Sonny's really arguing. And if she were on here and if she actually had to answer honest questions, because that's the challenge that we have in media today, people like Sonny Hostin get to talk to an audience of stupid people and say things that are profoundly dishonest that they wouldn't even be able to make the case for. Like you or I, if we went on The View, would say the exact same thing that we say on this show, and people could agree or disagree with it, and they could quiz us on it, and we would defend our position. Sonny Hostin won't come on this show. And if she did, if I just asked her that question, so wait, you're telling me that a poor white kid in West Virginia whose parents make a combined $30,000 a year is more advantaged than your kids are who are now the son and daughter of multimillionaires. I think we can even be more blatant. The poor kid in, let's say, Harlan County, Kentucky, which is one of the per capita poorest counties in the entire United States and yeah. overwhelmingly white, a poor kid from Harlan County, Kentucky, his white privilege is so 
magical. I mean, so powerful, uh, powerful, so profound that it is more advantageous for him in life in America than, let's say, a black, uh, you know, young man who's black who grows up in New York City and has an investment banker father and, uh, you know, a school president mother or something. And, you know, with a, with a combined household income of, you know, $2 million a year. Yeah. That, that Harvard should take the latter candidate over the former because his white privilege is that powerful. That is delusional. Delusional. Yeah. And I'll give you an example from my own life, Buck. You mentioned Harlan County, Kentucky. All of the Travis family, I'm not even sure if we're on here. If we are, blow me up and let me know on Twitter. All of the Travis families from Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. That is southern Kentucky, still not a super wealthy community to this day. My grandfather, who I was named after, had an eighth grade education, dropped out of school, went to work in the mines in this area of Kentucky where there's lots of white people, decided that he didn't want to work the rest of his life in the mines because his father died of black lung disease and came down to Nashville and spent the rest of his life working in the DuPont factory in Old Hickory, Tennessee. I don't think that he had a massive amount of white privilege. That's not even speaking today, Buck. That's speaking 100 years ago. He was born in 1905. He, His dad died of black lung disease. He tried to avoid dying of black lung disease and worked in a factory his well, whole life. I'm, not- I'm pretty confident that there wasn't a great deal of white privilege in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky, for his entire life. That's a hundred years ago, not even today. You think about the way these schools also have been doing admissions up to this point. They will, for all intents and purposes, treat the, uh, you know, and there are, uh, you know, I I went to school with some of these kids when when we were kids, we were younger. So I know, I've seen this. A multimillionaire black student from Africa, you know, uh, the son of a senior official for a, a Nigerian oil, you know, oil company, for example, yep. or the son of a, and the guy, you know, someone who owns like some of the biggest malls in Kenya or, you know, some of these, that student who yes. arrives at Harvard is treated as a student that goes in the diversity category of look at how diverse we are because we have a black student. Now, you could say, okay, that is the racial diversity you're talking What is the adversity there? If we're now going to do adversity score, someone explain that to me. And beyond that, Buck, beyond the adversity score, also the point of affirmative action is to deal with a legacy of slavery. If no, but you it, it applies, as you Africa, know, to, you never yeah. were a slave in the United. You have no ancestors who were slaves in the United Absolutely. States. In fact, you might have actually been a part of the African slave trade and that your ancestors might have sold slaves to America because everybody doesn't even want to talk about the fact that the first time people were captives and became slaves was actually from one mm-hmm. African tribe to another. They were selling their enemies into slavery in the United States, pocketing the money. There's no legacy of slavery for someone who has arrived from Nigeria or from Kenya and is now profiting off of affirmative action. It is a the admissions, and also it's true in hiring, it is a racial spoils system. And now we're also seeing increasingly it is a 
um, you know, victimized category spoil system, as in if you are transgender or non-binary or cisgender or whatever, that's also taken into account here. Um, there is a Latino advantage in admission based on what? Based on lack of representation, they would say, well, you'd say, hold on a second. That's a quota. And we've all agreed from the very beginning of this, going all the way back to the Supreme Court case, Backey, that quotas are wrong. Well, you know what we've just had all along here, everyone? This is what we've seen. You've had decades of stealth quotas of these institutions having quotas in place and just lying about it. That's all it is. Saying that they were dealing with racism by committing more racism. That's all it is. That's what they've done. Yes. And, you know, now we'll see if, because the whole adversity score thing I find fascinating, Clay, if you've overcome the adversity in terms of getting into Harvard, you know, your, your, your applications before the admissions committee, this person, because of their overcoming of adversity, we should bring them in. Did they overcome? If they overcame the adversity, why do they need a leg up on everybody else on the other, you know, 80,000 students who are applying? You know, overcome adversity. And, and why? Okay. You say oh, they're the first in their family to go to college or something. You'd sit there and say, all right. Not, I don't want to say NC State again, but we all know, you know, what about an excellent state school? Oh, that's not, that's not good enough for a student whose grades reflect that's exactly where he or she should go. Why? Yeah. These are the questions that this is why on this look, man, affirmative action is one of the first things that made me realize I'm a conservative. I remember this when I was in high school. I was like, cause I saw, I saw kids who were first generation, particularly it was the first generation Asian immigrants, parents speaking no English, and they were just doing phenomenally well in class and getting incredible SATs. And they were looking at schools that were substantially ranked below the black and Latino students in my class, whom I knew, and I knew their grades, and I even knew some of their SATs. It was unjust. It was unjust. People can say whatever they want about it. It wasn't right. All right, look, you know a company's looking out for you when they upgrade your service and don't charge for it. That's great news for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Their plan is just $20 a month for unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. That's a great value for $20 a month. That's why we love this company. Pure Talk, who also happen to be veteran-owned, only hires the best customer service team right here in the USA. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, make the switch to Pure Talk. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, that's pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and make the switch today to Pure Talk. Inspiring you to seek out the truth. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm about to run out, go catch a flight to Chicago for a family wedding. Buck is going to close up shop with you. Julie Kelly is going to join us here in the next segment. She's been doing phenomenal work covering January 6th, political prisoners and more. I want to put out a public invite, Buck. Mark Cuban. Some of us have, uh, some of you have seen me going back and forth with Mark Cuban. He refuses to speak up, condemn communist China while he's ripping America to shreds. Open invite. Anytime he wants to come on the biggest show in America, we'll have him. Don't run, Mark. Wide open invite. I'll make sure it's nice. Like so many other items we buy, gun owners have noticed that ammo has become much more expensive. A trip to the range is more costly than it used to be, but if you have the Mantis X, guess what? You can train your shooting skills at home. It's called dry fire practice. That's what Mantis X is, a firearm training system that is no ammo, all electronic, lets you improve your shooting accuracy. Simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. Use it at home. Use it while you're at the range. Wherever you can safely train, take your Mantis X. You're going to get real-time feedback in your technique using data from this training tool. You get drills and courses to choose from, and nearly everyone sees improvement within just the first 20 minutes of using the Mantis X. So start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. MantisX.com. On the front lines of truth. Clay just took off for the airport. We've got our friend Julie Kelly with us. She is... An author and a journalist. Her new Substack, which I'm going to subscribe to, I highly recommend you do the same, is Declassified with Julie Kelly. Uh, Julie, I look forward to reading it. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Buck, for mentioning my new Substack, and I look forward to having you as a subscriber. Thanks a lot. So tell me about the focus on criminal justice 
from the powers that be in Washington, D.C. Uh, I mentioned the just gut-wrenching story of this uh, interpreter, and there's people can see the photos. I mean, this guy was out outside the wire with U.S. military for over a decade and then was was brought to America, as was the promise made to people who did that. And he's killed by, I mean, a group of, of you know, it looks like teenagers in the video. And then you've got that happening, but also the prosecution is very, very strict on anybody involved in January 6th. Like, they need to be locked up forever. Exactly. So the main prosecutor in Washington, D.C. is a man named Matthew Graves. He was a Biden campaign advisor and then appointed uh, to serve as D.C. U.S. Attorney by Joe Biden in the fall of 2021. Now, Matthew Graves is in the unusual position of prosecuting both federal and local crimes in Washington, D.C. However, to your point, Buck, his fixation on the four-hour disturbance now two and a half years ago, as he continues to round up Capitol sightseers, uh, most of the new charges have nothing to do with assaulting police or vandalizing the building. This is back to obstruction and civil disorder, trespassing charges, etc. At the same time, Matthew Graves is allowing Washington, D.C. to descend into the Wild West, uh, you know, violent chaos. Every month, uh, there are many of the crimes, including carjackings, are at all-time highs. They had 10 fatal shootings the first five days of July, um, including this Afghani uh, interpreter, also a high school wrestling coach who was in Washington, D.C. for a professional development conference, killed at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, so in, in meantime, as he has, you know, uh, close to a hundred percent prosecution rate. Fifty-seven percent of the cases brought to him by DC police. So Matthew Graves is not just, you know, under fire and should be on this side of the aisle for his selective political prosecution of Trump supporters, but also is taking heat for uh, the rising uh, violent crime wave in Washington DC. Isn't it the case that in D.C. they were the the D.C. City Council tried to pass a bill that would have made a lot of very serious crimes even less, uh, less strongly punished and less aggressively prosecuted. And then Biden, like basically didn't or the, the Senate Democrats didn't stand in the way of the Senate, I believe it was shooting it down. Right? Or was it the House? I can't remember now. I believe it was the Biden Biden came out under pressure, um, you know, to not allow the D.C. Council to minimize and basically decriminalize a lot of these violent offenses. Um, it was the Senate, like, by the way, just so everyone knows, the Senate voted to overturn a D.C. law enacted uh, that they, they the Democrats say to improve police accountability. Julie, it would have done things like send people to prison for less time for carjacking, which has like tripled in the last five years in D.C., Right. So, I mean, Matthew Graves is not solely to blame, of course. This is what we're seeing in major cities across the country. And it's, it's so not only are the political leaders decriminalizing of violent offenses, their police forces are bleeding officers. And that's certainly the case in Washington, D.C. Um, there was a report out today that even uh, Metropolitan Police Department is moving officers from 
violent areas to safer areas. And this is probably to keep their officers in the ranks because they've had such attrition over the past few years, especially since 2020, like a lot of major cities. So, of course, it's this mixed message. But the bottom line is that Matthew Graves is responsible for enforcing the laws in Washington, D.C. and not trespassing laws not parading in the Capitol, which he's charged, his office has charged over 900 Americans with, um, but for, you know, gun crimes and carjackings, to your point, which is out of control in Washington, D.C., and of course, spilling out into the suburbs. So, um, you know, he needs to be held accountable uh, for what's happening in Washington, D.C., and his selective prosecution of January 6th. And of course, According to the IRS whistleblower, Matthew Graves, declining to consider any charges against Hunter Biden for his income tax crimes committed in 2014 and 2015 in Washington, D.C. You know, I just got this breaking news alert from CNN, Julie, speaking of January 6th and, and uh, the 2020 election. A disciplinary committee has mm-hmm. officially recommended Rudy Giuliani be disbarred in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. for his efforts on behalf of, of Donald Trump. I, I think it's it's important for people to see that this they're using the criminal justice system to go after people uh, involved in January 6th, but they're also using the legal and legal system and legal circles, if you will, professionally to punish lawyers who were taking up the Trump side of things in 2020. That's right. It's what the California Bar Association uh, is also attempting to do with John Eastman, who, of course, prepared the memo suggesting that Mike Pence um, could halt the certification of the Electoral College count on January 6th. So they are also there's actually a well-funded organization who are targeting any of the lawyers. Um, and of course, we've seen them target Sidney Powell. Uh, Jenna Ellis, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, um, any of the attorneys who were lawfully performing their job as counsel to the president uh, and filing lawsuits to uncover election fraud in these swing states. So that's just one part of the, I mean, just this egregious and very well-funded, well-coordinated apparatus to punish anyone, whether it's Donald Trump, his attorneys, or a voter of his who walked into a public building on a Wednesday afternoon, took selfies in the rotunda and left 10 minutes later. Um, this is, uh, and of course this will, is not anywhere close to concluding. And Buck, as you know, we've talked about numerous times, uh, will reach its apex when special counsel Jack Smith indicts Donald Trump, probably some of his attorneys, possibly some White House aides, and even maybe a few Republican congressmen for the events of January 6th. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Um, so that's, I was going to say, we, we know you believe that they're going to, the special counsel is going to have a January 6th related charge against Donald Trump, Julie, but now you're telling me that it may, it may be a whole really, uh, Trump inner circle prosecution bonanza of sorts. Um, I, I just, how does that play out? Because they're also making it harder for all these individuals to get lawyers to defend them. Yes. Well, look at Walt Nauta, who is the um, so-called valet. He really struggled to find a local Florida attorney. Of course, since it's being prosecuted in southern Florida, he has an attorney, Stanley Woodward, who's defended other January 6th um, defendants. But he also needed uh, a Florida lawyer and finally got someone to sign on 
um, this week. But look, Buck, it has to be more people than Donald Trump for the criminal indictment of January 6th because I believe that they will charge him with at least one conspiracy charge, which is also what they did in the classified documents case. They brought conspiracy to obstruct, and that's how they roped in this poor uh, Walt Walt Nauta. So they're going to have to have co-conspirators, conspirators with Donald Trump for January 6th. And it very well could be people like Rudy Giuliani or John Eastman. Um, You know, it could be White House aides. There's been rumblings about what Mark Meadows has been up to, the chief of staff, if he's cooperating in some capacity or he will be charged. Uh, You had Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, who the FBI snatched his cell phone right out of his hand the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid, took an imprint of the data from his cell phone and now has that. And there's court wranglings about access to what he had on his phone. So this could be even this could be even more major than just uh, another uh, criminal indictment of Donald Trump but it could involve half a dozen up to a dozen people. Julie Kelly, everybody, subscribe to her Substack, Declassified with Julie Kelly. Uh, Julie, appreciate you being with us. Thanks, Buck. Have a great weekend. There's some bona fide patriots looking after your good health over at Chalk. This is the nutritional supplement company based in Texas, creating products to maximize your energy so you can enjoy life. They offer a wide range of products, But two bundles in particular are grabbing the attention of this audience. They're male and female vitality stacks. Both are a combination of natural ingredients carefully selected to benefit your overall health. The male vitality stack includes a leading superfood ingredient proven to replenish diminished diminished amounts of testosterone in a guy's body. You need that for energy, drive, and focus. The female vitality stack is formulated to provide improved hormone health. Both are chock full of goodness. You can find them online now, online now at chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. That's how it's spelled. Get 35% off any chalk subscription for life when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. That's chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Use the name Buck for 35% off. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Find every podcast as they're released and listen. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm going to send you off with a with a nice story for this weekend. I'm not going to talk about any shark attacks or any crazy stuff that's going on out there. Um, and this is reported on by the Daily Mail. So this guy, Sean Warner, is a uh, first-time fantasy author. He's written his debut fantasy novel. This guy was in Arlington, Texas for this video. I'm trying to find the name of the book here so I could say it, but he uh, he was sitting there and wait, do we have it? Let me see. Lee Howard and the Ghosts of wait, what is it called? Lee Howard and the Ghosts of Simmons Pierce Manor. Okay, that's this guy's debut fantasy novel. I, I, I have not read it. I do not know if it is any good, but this is a nice story. I thought so. This guy is sitting there doing a book signing at a little store in Arlington, Texas. And a uh, a TikTok creator and YouTube creator, and some of these TikTok and YouTube creators have millions and millions and millions of fans, took a video of this guy because he was doing his book signing and it was empty. There was no one there asking for his book to be signed or buying his book. So he's sitting at a, at a table at a bookstore alone with his debut fantasy novel that no one is coming by to sign or to see. Um, well, apparently this, uh, TikTok star, Red, shared this, uh, clip of Sean Warner, 58 years old, who seemed like a very nice guy, very enthusiastic about his first, um, first ever fantasy genre novel. Put it on, and now it has been viewed, what was, what did I see here? 15 million times, something like that. And with that 15, oh, 17.4 million times, actually. With that 17.4 million views, first-time author Sean Warner and his Lee Howard and the Ghosts of Simmons Pierce Manor uh, now has a little bestseller on his hands because so many people went and bought his book because they fell for the guy. You know, he's that first-time author. He's almost 60 years old. He's put his heart and his soul into this, and he's sitting there alone and Seemed like a nice guy, and so they bought his books. I just thought that was a very nice story, I have to say. I also think back to the days, man, I like fantasy genre novels generally. I feel like I don't have the time to read them 
because uh, I'm reading so many other things these days. I'm working on a book. You know, Clay's got a book coming out next month. I'll have a book that will be coming out next summer. Uh, and I'm hard at work on that book all the time. And a lot of it is reading about 25, 20, 25 other books in research for the book that I'm writing. Because I'm spending a lot of time writing it, too. Um, so that means that I don't get to dive into things. But, man, I think if you can't, I think fantasy is important. I think that fiction, fantasy, same same basic thing. Um, it's important for your mind. And I think back to some of my favorite uh, fiction slash fantasy, uh, fantasy novel. I mean, Dune is an amazing, uh, I would say amazing literary work. And the recent movie was actually pretty good, too. I know the second part of it's coming out soon. Uh, clearly, The Lord of the Rings is one of the most important for a lot of us in my and, and other generations, too. Uh, literary works, I think, in terms of just getting you excited about reading as a kid. Um, but I really do think that making the time, even for those of us who feel like there's never enough time to read all the history and all the nonfiction you want to, because there's always so much more to learn, um, I would just say um, it's worth it to spend some time to get into uh, reading some things that are just meant to let your mind wander and be a little free in terms of the creativity and, and the storyline. So anyway, I, I wish, I, I don't know if, what his book is like, but uh, I wish wish Mr. Sean Warner uh, all the best of luck with his first uh, debut novel out there. And it's a, it's a not, uh, nonfiction, you have a better shot as a first-time author of selling some copies, no matter who you are, whether you're in the media or just, uh, if we call them a civilian, but, you know, a person that has a normal day job. You have better better chance of selling nonfiction. Selling fiction is is really hard. It is really hard. I started recently, um, the darkness that comes before. I think it is, which is kind of an older one. And man, it is, it is dark. Um, so I started that one. I'm trying to think of some of the other fantasy genre. I read a. Oh man, it's so good. It's like a Viking fantasy genre. Not. I, I read this one pretty recently. Um, oh, we have a book recommendation page. So where people should go to Clay and Buck dot com. Where do they go? Do they go to clayandbuck.com slash books team? Where do they go to get to the book recommendation? Every book that we're telling you know, Carrie started reading Shadow Divers recently. She loves it. So I, if I tell you that something's really good, uh, it means that I am shocked if anyone tries to read it and does not recognize it, at least for being uh really good. Um uh, there's, there's, I'm trying to remember the name. Oh, yes. Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn. I think I read this. Uh, I read it during the pandemic, actually, when I was locked down in New York City. Man, that was a, uh, if you like that Viking stuff, you know, it's not historical fiction. It's fantasy Viking genre, which is getting, am I sounding too much like a nerd here? It's getting down into it. It was really well written, really good stuff. Guys. He does Viking reenactments. I mean, he's really into it. You know, he's very talented. Clayandbuck.com and then go under recommendation. Clayandbuck.com and go to rec. Um, that's the way to do it. We've got some great stuff there. Highly, highly recommend it. We're like selling books for some people in the tournament, too. We're getting a lot of people that are signing up. Clayandbuck.com slash recommendations. There we go. We should do slash reco. Make it easier for people. So I'm throwing some out there to you. I don't know if you want to buy the Sean Warner book, go for it. I, I haven't read that. Can't recommend that one specifically. But, hey, put a smile on the guy's face. First-time author. He's selling thousands of books now. Um, but uh, if you're into Viking fantasy genre, 
Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn. I think you'll really enjoy that one. And if you haven't read Dune, that's a good place to start with anything fantasy genre. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.